You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. everybody and welcome back to old movie time machine it's been a minute everybody so let me remind you what this is all about we're taking a look at uh old movies made in the 1940s 50s and 60s you know your cold war era if you will color motion picture films made in the old us of a and we're using these as windows into the past we're traveling through time everybody that's why we call it the time machine and we're going to climb through this window of time and we observe the world beyond the window and we ask ourselves questions about, hey, these people that we're observing, who are they? What are their habits? How are they treating each other? And most importantly, what do their living rooms look like and what are they wearing? Is that? Yeah, that's the one. And uh, currently we are in the middle of a, a, a mini cycle we need to wrap up. We promised it back in November. Now, uh, right now, it's going to be in February. I'm sorry. I had some things happen in my life. Everybody <laughs> has things happening in their lives. And we're going to talk about this and so much more at the end of the program. But we have unfinished business, you guys. And it's called 1996's Tom Hanks's Is That Thing You Do. I'm Jay Z, by the way. I'll be your host through the window, joined as ever by the one and only Shrishman Ike. Hey, Shrishy Boo. Hello. How's Welcome. it going? Oh, things are really great now that we've had two months off. That's true. Uh, things are, I feel well rested. Great. And Can we talk about Barbie? <laughs> Yeah, let me just bring in uh, my sister and yours, Carolyn Alrose. Hey, sis. Hey there. Do you mind if Shushma talks about Barbie for a hot minute? I finally saw it. Oh. oh I guess so, yeah, we, we can have talk lots about of Barbie. things to say about Barbie. Uh, I'm going to leave that to the gals. Go right ahead. Uh, why is it nominated for Oscar? <laughs> and why is Barbie not nominated? Like, why uh, is yeah. Margot Robbie or for, the, yeah, she, like, the director? Do you know why? Because only Ryan Gosling got a nomination for said movie. Because it's a bunch of penises in Hollywood, people. A bunch of penises. And mostly white male penises. But I'm I mean, just saying, you shouldn't have been man, nominated but... to begin with. Like, I don't feel anything in that movie was worth an Oscar nomination. So, you saw it. Okay. What does the dog have to say about it? He's really upset that I'm so okay. upset about it. What's happening? <laughs> It's Too okay. many white okay. penises, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> okay, like, so you saw it. Carolyn saw it. I, I saw it. My real quick version of that story, if I didn't share it already, and if I did, I'm sorry, uh, is I watched it, and I was like, oh, I get the appeal. You know, this is not targeted to me, but I understand, you know, it's very funny. I get it. I like all these people. Uh, this is, and then it reached its logical conclusion. And I said, oh, well, this, that was actually, that was all right. I'm, I'm glad to have, have had the experience. And then I checked the time and saw that there were 50 more minutes left of the movie. And then I turned it off and didn't uh, officially finish it, but I get the idea and I'm fine with it. Is it Oscar worthy? I don't even know what that means anymore. But anyway, Shrishma, what was your experience like? I, I guess that you made a very fair statement at the end, which is what's Oscar worthy. Um, I just Thank felt you. Um, 
why is it even in the contention for any Oscars? It was a it was an okay movie. Like then you should nominate like Avengers or like Star Wars should be nominated. Well, this is the Academy Awards have been lusting after this thing called relevancy. Hold uh, on. I need to get out my soapbox, which is great. Wait yeah. Oh, Carol, uh, just ignore that <laughs> scraping sound. That's just Carol dragging out the soapbox. Can you please uh, add a scraping? And it's a really big fucking soapbox. And it I is huge. She's really this. breaking a sweat here. Uh, but the entire thing is that nobody really cares so much about what is effectively a company Christmas party. Exactly. Where they give each other awards and uh, and Thank it's you. and the seams are starting to show in the modern era where we have access to all the news all the time whenever we want it whenever we need it and all the media as well and there's nothing really that special about what they're doing except trying to turn a profit so people should like know, what they want to like they can go see what they want to see who cares what they're wearing at the company Christmas party it does not matter the only thing that matters is did you like the film Personally, that's all that matters. That's, that's, it doesn't matter. If, if it was less, I don't know how one does this, but I, I feel like that there is a way you can do this without making it part of the machinery, I guess, of, of the industry. Like this is the Academy Awards coming soon, next month, I think. <laughs> I think that's when that happens. Uh, you know, the entire thing is that uh, it's just more promo during mm. the kind of lean months you know like oh, let's keep everybody's back in school but we give people a reason to go see these movies again in the theater and pay their money and Fair. buy but their the, expensive food the part of it is that these films and the companies making them and the producers the agents the managers everyone involved they campaign to be nominated yeah that's what i heard i, I mean it it is a full-on major campaign with ads and billboard and variety and they send people things and oh God, i mean it's just it's all like, part of all part of the system because if you are a performer uh, or a, if you're anybody who's not one of the producers like the money people right the the fact that you were an academy award nominee or academy award winning mm, right. bumps you up to a different pay tier mm. uh, most of the time yep. uh, and, and then on the other side of that is if you are the money person if you are a producer of, of some renown and your film that you have, uh, you know, guided uh, throughout the process of, of being made into a film, if that is successful, then you get to put that on the box or back in the day, the VHS box, you know, Academy Award winning dances with wolves. How many Oscars did it win? 700 Oscars, you know, like that's how important this is by this nominated for best picture. Gotcha. But still, mm -hmm. I don't think Barbie should be on that. So you don't think, okay. So now what they've tried to do is they've, they've tried the Academy that is mm. of motion picture arts and sciences. They've tried to broaden the scope of what they take in to gather a larger viewing audience and sell all this shit. Right. So that's why you're seeing more like if say the dark Knight came out, right. In the modern times, like they, that should have been not, like that's a absolutely. great, great example. That's a, Justin. That's, that's exactly hey, what I mean. Thank to you. Say. Right, <laughs> something like that, which has mass appeal, which it would not normally be because of its genre as a comic book movie, right. but is in fact an excellent movie, movie right. for what it is. I mean, one of the Harry Potters. True. What's that? I mean, one of the Harry Potters. Well, I maybe Azkaban. Yeah, Azkaban is great. It's also hello, Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. 
Um, so, so anyway, they've, they've tried to do this to be more inclusive of more mainstream picks. So it's not all art house stuff or foreign stuff or things about issues or, uh, also movies about making movies because the Academy loves that too. Cause oh again, it's God, another commercial for themselves. the industry. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, people really liked it. It touched a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Now that being said, you know, we can have the conversation. I don't know if here's the time, but, uh, we can have the conversation about, what the message is. I think we actually I discussed we it. Did it. We, we did. We Never mind. Fuck it. About yeah. Barbie, where I was very uh, vocal about. You were. You were on the cutting edge. You might still be on the cutting edge. I'm not sure. I don't know what I people mean, feel are it was Barbie at this point. Fine. But I also just like, okay, so Barbie, you're becoming middle aged. It's called cellulite. It's called, you know, all these intrusive thoughts. Like, this is just be- becoming middle aged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I, I think it is outrageous that the person who is the title character who is on screen almost the entire time does not get nominated for right. at least a nomination. You know, like that is insane. Uh, similarly, the director, a female director, yes. in, we have so in many <laughs> white male penis Hollywood, as Carolyn so gently put it, uh, was not nominated for, again, this very. Uh, Mm, moving uh, just to many people mm. piece of work. Right. This well, combination of art and commerce. Combination of art and commerce and the fact that, you know, women in general are just, we don't have equality in so many ways. So, you know, why would the men of Hollywood nominate any of the women involved in Barbie, which is just about middle-aged, <laughs> middle-aged really Barbie is. thoughts of like it's outrageous it is now that you guys say it like this, like I it's all stupid. i feel like it's all fake right, right. it's all phony baloney so like right. why are we even going through the motions yeah. of everybody like go so you know obvious. view your screeners and then you put in your ballot and then we'll who count all the ballots like, just pick pick the fucking thing just who do it. wrote uh america america Ferrera's uh soliloquy in that film because like that sums it up like being a woman like don't be too much but be beautiful but and be sexy but not too sexy also like kill it in your job and your hobby and at home and all the things and you're like yeah mm-hmm. this is why she, women uh, are she depressed. was nominated is that right she was okay she yeah. was well that that's yeah i'm glad was. yeah she was but i also feel like her whole speech is like i feel like it was like an instagram post like we've seen that rhetoric on on yeah. social media a lot. So like in that sense, to me, it wasn't anything original. We've like, we've seen yeah. that message. Right. And okay, fair. They, the, it came through the vehicle of the movie that was, you know, Barbie. Well, that, right. But, and that legitimizes it because right. we've put okay. hundreds of millions of dollars into Behind it. it. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's that. And I, I'm okay with that rhetoric. I mean, I get it. I feel it. Um, there's, there's just so many, there's so many things. There's so many things to unpack and one film isn't going to do it. And, that's true. One Instagram post isn't going to do it. And we've got some major fucking problems. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure Barbie was made with the purest of intentions at heart. I'm sure they didn't move any units of that doll that has corrupted women's view of themselves for the past, uh, I don't know, half a century plus or, you know, so uh, from that point of view, it's a success. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. Guys, we got, we, yeah, thank you. Good job, you guys ready? Trish. Look, we got a lot to we got a lot to cover here. Let's get into it. I'm gonna start. We're just gonna get right into the uh, the summary, and then I'm going to contextualize, and then I'm gonna get 
all y'all's thoughts. The time is 1964. The space is Erie, Pennsylvania. Guy Patterson is an electronics salesman at his family's store by day and wannabe drummer by night. He joins the Oneaters, a local band with a catchy song. Together, they win a talent show, get bookings at the airfield, and make a recording of their hit tune, or soon to be anyway, That Thing You Do. We're going to start there. You guys, we left off with the Kennedy assassination in November. And now we are, actually, this will be coming out right around the 60th anniversary of the Beatles appearing on the Ed Sullivan Show. Now, this is critical I will try to explain it the best I can, as briefly as I can. Shrish must stay with me. So we talked about the things that define this era and why this is one of the defining moments of the era. The Beatles invade America. What does that mean? What is? Where is it coming from? It was a phenomenon, right? Beatlemania. Right. It revolutionized. What's the word? Revolutionized. That. that the American culture? It did. It revolutionized global culture, okay. in fact. Sure. So... Fair. Let's start simple here. The landscape pre-Beatles is very bland, very boring. Everything we've been watching in all of these previous movies from the 40s and 50s and early 60s, it's just white people in gray suits smoking and drinking to beat the band and ignoring their housekeepers. and mm, Perpetuating middle-class social norms and values. That was America. In some regards, that continues to be America. But at the time, that was it. That was that was our post-war victory. Everybody had a house, if you're white. Everybody had a job, if you're white. Uh, things were good. We had uh, people going to college for the first time, people getting educated. The economy is thriving. Uh, we didn't have to do any rebuilding like Europe did. Europe was left in ruins after the Second World War. They had to build all that shit all over again. They had to right. build Europe. We did not have to go through that. And we were helping everybody. So we look like the good guy. We're the moral authority. You know, and we didn't have to drop an atomic bomb to do it. But sh- don't start that shit. That's all. Again, just don't start that that war. And, and maybe that doesn't happen. Right. That's all. Uh, so this is the world that we're living in the world of post-war victory. However, there is this underground current that's always flowing, right? The uh, the free thinkers, right. the artsy people, the, the people who are... Uh, uh, the, the what now? Teenagers. The te- And the teenagers, too. Baby boomers. I think we've talked about this in the past. The teenager is still a relatively new phenomenon at this point. Because they're not going off to war anymore. Or to, or to the factory. Right. You know, at, at age of 12 or right. whatever. Yeah. Understood. So they can finish their education. This is the first world. This right. is the, the modern first world. And it is quite a victory to have secured. It's given us everything. <laughs> I mean, given, you know, televisions, computers, right. fucking cell phones, fucking junk on the moon, whatever. I mean, all of that comes... From this this boom time, mm-hmm. can I quote um, a meme that I saw that is relevant? It's very relevant. I'm kind of hesitant, us. but I'll allow it. Okay, um, I will cite it. Uh, it's this Instagram account I follow called Snarky Breeders. Hey. You know, so we'll cite it. Um, but it did. It does read the difference between 2024 and 1990 is the same as 1990 and 1956. Anyways, have a great night. I read that. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Here we are. 
we went to the here 90s. we are. Uh, so <laughs> I just can't believe the nineties was so long ago. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. Hey, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Put a pin in that thought, okay? We're gonna talk about it at the end of the show. Okay. So the here's the deal. So at this point, it's the 1960s, which means that, gosh, all of those minority groups that we've been suppressing and just ignoring and just sort of, you know, yeah, you can clean my table. Mm-hmm. Sure. Clean it right off. You can move my suitcase. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do this. You can do that. Keep my house. You can raise my children for me. Mm, they've had enough of that because they've been living for the past 100 years with Jim Crow, which has been just another form of slavery, just sort of institutionalized and a little bit softer, a little Mm -hmm. bit more modern type of uh, segregation. And they're done with it as well they should be. And also there is a generation of progressive young people who are uh, white and also done with it. And they understand that there's a cause and are allies in this. Uh, One of those people would be the president, John F. Kennedy, uh, he represented a lot of change to a lot of people, a lot of uh, forward thinking. We're going to get out of the mindset of the military industrial complex that we've been living with. <laughs> you like it, Shrishma? No, I want to add something when you're done. Okay, okay. Uh, almost there. And we're going to work on our society. We're going to build a better society. We're going right. to take care of each other and our business, and that will make us a stronger more complete country and will actually take us closer to the ideal that this country was founded on, which is equality. Right. We can't have equality when a black man can't piss in the same place right. as a white man. So we got to deal with this stuff. Uh, now we have this assassination. We also can't have equality when women aren't paid an equal wage so, and or exactly. their unpaid and labor goes. Anybody who's not unpaid. a white man, it gets, it, it, we can roll them in. To this, the same argument of every people we're just not there yet. equally. Yeah, I mean, no, we're not there still, yet. Okay, no, we're still working at it. We we still have to work at it. So all of this comes to a screeching halt, seemingly, when the president's shot. Right. And we talked about it last time, but I mean, it's an extraordinary event. It's right. unbelievable, and it's unbelievable that you can see it happen in right. slow motion. Right. See this man's head, you know, spilled across the country. It is back and to the left. Outrageous, yeah. Also false. Uh, also, the ballistics are conclusive. Please see episode. Please 62. see the previous episode. Yes. Um, so you can imagine. I I don't even know what the the comp would be in modern times. I mean, I would say January sixth, but also half the country doesn't fucking care about that stuff. Uh, maybe September eleventh, something like that. But I mean, it is a noteworthy tragedy that people. Remember where they were when it happened and it moved them. Uh, So the country is in November and December and January morning. It's a dark time in the United States of America. It's very uh, uncertain time. It's a violent time. Things are changing and nobody knows what to do about it, but they're all very stressed out about it. One gets the feeling. I'm stressed out about it. Now, I want to go to the next step which will lead us into our movie. But Shrishma, you had something to add. You should finish your next. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now picture this. You've just heard this music and you've heard this song and it sounds different from other songs that you've heard. There's a lot of energy. It's up tempo, three part harmonies, electric guitars louder than you've ever heard. And it's got a groove. It's got a, it's got a beat to it 
that really you would only probably hear from what they would call at the time race records, which are records that were made by African-Americans and were only played on certain radio stations in certain areas. And, you know, people have a problem with people who are not white in all regards, including the music that's broadcast on the air, no matter how good it is. So you take this beat, this powerful beat, and you ramp it up a little bit more and you electrify it a little bit more. And then you put it, you channel it through these four guys with long hair. You've seen these movies, Trishma. I have. That hair, I mean, nobody had that haircut. No. You had to be a fucking crazy beatnik. And even the crazy beatniks didn't make it into the motion pictures. Right. So you see these four guys, they all kind of look the same. They're all wearing the same outfits, same haircut. Again, outrageous. The haircut, I can't stress this enough, how outrageous it was at the time. It was symbolic of everything that, right. you know, it, it, it was representing but people people thought it was they looked like women you right. know like why are the, yeah. what are these lady boys cuz usually i guess hair would like men wear wore their hair short because like army and all of those kinds yeah, of things exactly. and the long hair was not really seen as masculine I right imagine. right right and so you know we start to see the redefinition of what masculinity is right. it's it starts here as well uh, that's a big part of it uh and so you you take it and you channel it through these guys, and they are all for the times relatively good looking. Now it's it's hard to make that translate. I get it because we all have veneers now, and we've all got plugs, and we're all doing Botox and whatever. But at the time, like they were, you know, cute boys, right? Right. And who loves cute boys? Fucking girls. Girls love cute boys, right? And I'm sure some boys as well. But this is happening at the same time that the country needs uh, an outlet mm -hmm. and it happens at a time when the UK needs to culturally break into the U S right. there's a very long history of UK artists who are very successful over there right. being brought over to the U S and failing. Okay. This happens all the time to a point where the parent company of the Beatles record company, uh, they just, you, you had to submit your singles from the UK to them and they wouldn't even look at them. Right. It's just like, this isn't worth our time. It's not going to work. Mm -hmm. But these guys, uh, the Beatles I'm talking about, of course, um, not only do they, they have a look about them and they have a sound about them. Uh, they're also foreign, you know, it's, it's, right. it's very alien in a world that is not as globalized as it is today. Right. Who are these people? Where are they coming from? They've got, funny accents, yeah. but I like them and they're kind of funny because you start to see them when they come over in February of 64, they do a big press conference at the airport and they're charming and yeah. they're witty and uh, they're having a great time and they represent this joy that the United States needed uh, and the U S embraces them immediately. Right. Now, do you want to make your point now or should... No, keep, keep going. Okay, okay. Yeah. Is this helping contextualize? Yes. Okay. Um, because we, as, as previously discussed, I talk a lot about the Beatles and the whole joke is that we don't talk about the Beatles because then I just keep talking about the Beatles. But this is the movie to do it. Right. If any other movie, it would be this one. Right, right. So this is all happening again at the same time that technology is meeting with this art and this cultural moment. So we have television. Television is 
still pretty new at this point, really only 10, 15 years old. Uh, but people have televisions in their homes now. It's now a part of standard home life, the same way that a coffee pot would be or something like that. It's, you know, people have TVs and there is TV culture. So the Beatles come over after spending the previous year basically charming the UK and they're a phenomenon over there. Mm-hmm. And this is where you start to see the screaming happens. The Beatlemania starts there, of course. And this is where you start seeing uh, these teenage girls lose control to a point where they're literally pissing themselves at these shows. Like this is a story that, uh, uh, that I think Pete Townsend tells where he, you know, the Beatles played in Blackpool and the floor was just covered in urine because they would just, they couldn't control themselves. It was, it was tapping it's into so something, but you see it happen. Look at, you know, Harry yeah, Styles, yeah, right? I agree. I mean, that I guess, yeah, I, I know it happens. It was just very hard for me to like, why are you going so crazy? It's the power of young women, I guess. I mean, I mean, I was a young woman once. I never did that. You never had a. Not to the point where I was peeing myself. Well, I think that's probably <laughs> a, a very unique thing. I mean, so good you'll piss yourself, right? Only a handful of, you know, that's a Beatles and Stones oh, only tier. We make, we're so good. We make you piss yourselves type of thing. I don't know, Shishma. I think you and I are just a little too cool to be excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, Carolyn. Whereas in the past... Maybe you would have uh, some some nerd in a suit, you know, crooning his little ballad that somebody else wrote. You've got the cool people too, because these motherfuckers are cool because mm. they are. Yeah, it becomes quite clear, much smarter than everybody, mm. uh, much more hip and with it than everybody. Uh, you know, have better judgment than everybody, and also create their own material. This was something that didn't happen at the time. They wrote their own songs. Do we know if it was just good marketing at the time? Uh, what? Like that they became so popular? Um, well, it's it's a complicated answer. <laughs> How many hours do you have? It's Some of it is marketing. Some of it. But mostly it is just quality of their the performance. Okay. They yeah, were I would best. say. They played more than anybody. And quality they, of the songs, catchiness of the songs, yeah. all of that. Yeah. As evidenced by the fact that, you know, number one record 50 years later, right? I mean, yeah, it's still absolutely. happening. So yeah. that that endures, yeah. uh, you know, we, and we've talked about it in the past, but of all the fucking, you know, detritus we leave behind, only a handful of things transfer yeah. to the next hundred years and they will be one of those things. Uh, so you've got these cool guys they are. They have singles now on the radio. They had been submitting singles to the U.S. Nobody was picking up on it. They finally break through, and then all of a sudden, all of their old singles leap into the top. You know, like they have seven out of the top ten mm. spots or something like that. It starts to be a phenomenon. They're coming over. There's a huge buildup of the Beatles are coming. Right. The British invasion. That's marketing for sure. Right. That this the whole British idea invasion. that right. you know we're we're being invaded by these four charming lads. Right. right. And clearly, they won't. <laughs> you, <laughs> never mind. Well, it was, and it's a, it was a goal of theirs to make it in the U.S. We want to be the ones to do it, and they decided that we're not going to go over there until we have a number one record. Mm. Now they were scheduled to go over there before they got the number one record, but it did work out that that was what happened. Right. So they get signed up to do the Ed Sullivan Show, which mm-hmm. is like the that's the big show. The time. Right. Of the time. And they're, you know, signed for three different performances. And when they go on this show, they're watched by 73 million people. Oof. Now, 
that might even seem low, but let's remember it's 1964. That's what I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. 190,000, 190 million people in the country. Um, and this shakes out to about 46, 47% of all households were watching this wow. in the US. And it is ground zero for US Beatlemania and also US rock and roll culture mm-hmm. as we yep. came to know it. Yep. And everybody who saw it wanted to start a band. If you were a kid, like you wanted to grow your hair out all of a right. sudden, like that just became the thing. Girls wanted to be with them. Boys wanted to be them, right. that thing. And then you have all these bands popping up. Yeah. Just all, everybody all of a sudden buys a guitar and we have this American rock and roll phenomenon that carries on for the next 30 years, basically yeah. where it is in some regards, uh, a viable career option for you to start your band and right. write some songs and practice in your garage and play some shows. And maybe you can do this for a living. Right. Doesn't happen that way anymore. <laughs> um, much to my chagrin. <laughs> you got to work those socials, man. Yeah, exactly. It's a whole, Oh man, I got to forward a paper to you about that. <laughs> it's out there. Um, but that is what we're seeing in this movie here, which is set in 1964. It's set in the, it looks like early summer starts in, you know, so Rock and roll culture, Beatles style has happened. And what assassination, you know, like it's that kind of things move from black and white to color all of a sudden. And and then we start the progress of the 1960s, truly, which becomes its own, you know, psychedelia and all these things becoming mainstream that were once underground. So here we are, Shrishman Ike, it's your turn to talk, please. No, I just wanted to say... um, it's interesting that you set it up that way because um, India and Bangalore in particular has a very like interesting um, rock scene. Like they love okay. their rock music in, in Bangalore and certain it parts of Bombay. makes me so Bombay. happy to hear that. Um, and I feel like in the time period that you're describing, India was also like a newly independent democratic country. Yeah. And I feel like the Beatles ushered in the whole like hippie wave in India, but also then the whole rock scene kind of trickled into India as well. So mm-hmm. it kind of mirrored, not in the same way, perhaps, because, you know, there were pockets of this, obviously right, not across right. the country, but there are very strong pockets of people like during the 60s and the 70s that just love American rock music. That's so the awesome. Beatles yeah. And, um, you you can go to even bars that still like have like ri- live rock bands and stuff cool. like that. So it's a whole culture thing in India. But from the way you described it, it seems like it all kind of triggered from from the same place. Yeah, I mean, there had been things leading up to. I mean, obviously, we had Elvis ten years before. Yes. Yeah, I don't think Elvis was so big in India. Right, and and that was you know not nearly the phenomenon that the Beatles were. It, he was Elvis was huge, of right. course. Um, but it wasn't the full cultural transformation. It, it was just the start of the acceptance of this type of music, mm-hmm. which is very specific. I mean, I, I I notice this more and more as I live here in this place that is much more influenced by continental Europe, I think, right. than than the U.S. Yeah. Um, and and Europe, I think, doesn't get it the same way. And how could they get it? Yeah. Because again, rock music is is black music, black capital B, black music. Right. And it comes from, you know, old uh, slavery spirituals and things like right. this. And that B 
beat of you know ry- the blues the and jazz and all this like that all again you know you you boost the tempo make it a little bit more snappy upbeat you turn up the volume a little bit and but you keep the same core elements which are you know sadness over your lady right. or your guy or whatever uh i've got this problem i got the blues right you know and also i'm horny too right so rock and roll the term you know was slang for having sex so that is why you know again it's my two point system of analyzing and judging uh music that proclaims to be rock music is it sexy and or is it dangerous because it has to be one of the two Right. To be successful in what it's doing, uh, you know, anything else is kind of just whining, you know. Interesting. Whining I did not know that that was what rock and roll kind of. Well, this is how I've quantified it. Anyway. it. <laughs> but, but the best of it is about, you know, I'm driving this fast car and here's the song, right. a song about my car. That will make that ride better. That chick over there, you know, it's not PC or whatever, but whatever we talk talk to each other talk about each other right that dude over there i want to get with that dude that chick over there i want to dance with her mm-hmm. and then maybe we'll be smooching later you know like it's it's a very horny medium right? right which is difficult to maintain in our modern society right i think you know this is probably one of the reasons rock music has not uh, persevered is that well the form is pretty limited in that it's it's relatively simple handful of chords three or four chords talking about a handful of topics uh, that are again relevant to you know whether it's cars girls drugs you know whatever uh but also because it's talking openly about those things those aren't things we really discuss in the same way Mm -hmm. with the same vocabulary because you know and this is all progress uh, social progress so i'm not gonna knock it or anything like that but Sometimes you're just kind of horny. Sometimes you yeah. want to go get laid, right? And I got to find the song that's going to be the theme song for that. I'm going to turn it the fuck up, you know? Yeah. And it's going to hit me sonically. It's going to move the atoms in my body on some you know deep level. That's how I experience it anyway. That's why I like it. Um, I feel like that. I feel that way about certain music. I won't say I feel that way about rock and roll. Mm-hmm. But there, there is certain, I would say, Bollywood. <laughs> Okay. But maybe I should not say that out loud. No, you're the host of Beret for Bollywood. Coming soon. By the way, we're selling Beret for Bollywood. If, if there are any investors out there, we are pitching that currently. So just you can just write to us, partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com, and give us all your money, and we'll just make that show for you. But so is it the uh, the message of the films? No, it's 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 usually the the songs independent. Okay. Yeah, and it's like the music, the composition of the music, even mm-hmm. the lyrics of it. Um, there's some really good, like smooth soul moving music that comes out of. Well, and interesting because again, this is a very different music than, uh, you know, blues based rock and roll music, right. but it's what. You, you know, your people made to yes. express themselves, exactly. your people, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking yes, about? I've got okay. It. Okay. <laughs> for the, for the general listening audience, you people, you people. <laughs> Meanwhile, my sister and yours, Carolyn Alrose looks intensely bored right now. Carolyn, do you have any thoughts on any of this? What moves you? What art moves you? Um, do I have thoughts on the movie? I'm just waiting to get to the movie. All right. We're going to get to the movie, but just real quick. What type of music do you like? I like all kinds of music. Okay. 
But I also, David thinks it's weird. My husband thinks it's weird that I'm like, I don't play music at night when I'm trying to go to sleep. Don't play music when I'm reading a book because I get really annoyed where it's like, it lights up different parts of my brain because I was a dancer. Like, uh, yeah. so it like turns on different parts of my brain where I'm like, oh, now I can't relax because my brain's choreographing something to whatever you just put on. Right. Yeah. I mean, and for me, I just love music in itself. So I'll just end up listening to whatever's on. So when I'm, you know, if I have to write something like it, it must be intensely boring music or I've just found this out, uh, some kind of, I think it's like classic sixties Japanese pop. I can't understand the words, but I like the sounds. So that's nice to write to because it doesn't, I'm not thinking about the thing. I'm not getting distracted, but Anyway, let's talk about this movie. So here we are. It's 1964. Tell me about the wonders. Carolyn, go. Wonders. The O'Neaters. The O'Neaters. The um used to be called the the O'Neaters. Yes. <laughs> Whatever uh, that line is. Almost the herdsmen. I did take a screen capture of that notebook that Jimmy has with all the different names. They are hilarious. The Mozarts, anybody? Oof. Oh, oh also, real quick about this movie. Now, when we were set to watch this back in November, I did start watching it, and I realized, what the fuck is going on here? I don't, rem- I don't remember this. I don't remember this. What? Turns okay, out there's sorry. a director's cut. Oh. Now, Carolyn, you weren't present for this, but when we did the JFK, <laughs> your brother went on a huge tangent about director's cuts and how they tend to be worse, and then I read off a list of director's cuts, and I, as, as soon as I brought up the list, I could see the life leave Shrishmanike's eyes. Like I could mm-hmm. see her dying inside. I didn't stop talking. I, like I, I kept talking, but I did cut that out of the episode. But, but I, would, I did a good job of pretending to. You indulge me. I mean, it was, that was a very indulgent episode. Again, the ballistics are conclusive. Oh, Lord. <laughs> a lot of I bullet think, chat. I think I made good points in that episode. I just, you look so disappointed when I started reading from my list of poor director's cuts that I actually cut that out of the episode. Because it just broke my heart to see it, but I and I'm not going to read it now because I don't want that to happen again. Because you were nice enough to come over, and nobody comes over. Uh, but I do want to reiterate the fact that director's cuts, more often than not, huge failure, not a good idea. And this movie was not improved by the like 40 extra minutes of oh, it was a lot. It was a lot of stuff. So um, I did watch that version. I also didn't need to watch this movie because I've seen it so many times. Yeah, um, you had the soundtrack. Right. I had the CD and I used to play it in my Discman. Mm-hmm, that's right. And I used to borrow that CD. And for some uh, reason, though, like I only just in thinking about because uh, I watched it this morning, actually. I got up, I let the dogs out. I got my coffee. I got back in bed and I put on the Oneaters. Wait, I'm sorry. Who let the dogs out? Um, thank you yeah i did continue yeah (laughs) i did so uh i as i was like humming the soundtrack as i was like letting the dogs out i'm like huh guess i never realized that that song like the little wild one yeah yeah sure it's about cheating motherfuckers Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I haven't done a deep read on the... Uh, the I love time. my girlfriend, but when I need a wild time... Little, little wild, wild one, one I'll, I'll come, come back. back. Right. Good stuff. Oh, that's a side chick. Let's... Right, side chick. It's a side piece. Fuck that shit. Jimmy's an asshole. Um, <laughs> but he loves Diane Dane. Let's talk about the song, That Thing You Do, 
do you Great know song. any of the, the, the backstory on where no. the song comes from? So it was like a general kind of cattle call to songwriters of like, we have this movie. Tom Hanks wrote this movie and directed it and started it's charming it. i love tom hanks and i love this movie and oh, peak hanks this is he's he's coming off of again like a costner-esque heater of forrest gump but he didn't do water worlds he didn't do a water world. no <laughs> no uh, instead he directed his i mean i'm just saying i love tom hanks i'm, I'm here for it yeah uh so they he wrote the script, you know, he, he loves the Beatles and that story of the British invasion and everything. Um, and the British invasion is just that band opens the doors for all the other bands that are happening and they start mm-hmm. to come over and tour and, you know, it's a new place for them to be, uh, to get their music heard. And so they just send out this request, send us a song that's called that thing you do. That's the name of the movie. It's the name of the single in the movie. And they get, uh, many of them. Uh, I think one of the alternate versions is, is actually on the record and it's played over the end credits. It's just like a different version of something called that thing you do. The one that's in the film was written by, Oh, I think his name is Adam Schlesinger, uh, recently passed away during COVID. Uh, but he, his band was called fountains of Wayne. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, this is now all coming Becoming it's all coming back to me now. Mm, no, different band. Uh, <laughs> maybe you would remember the song Stacy's Mom. Yes, they wrote that song. Okay, so Fountains of Wayne, uh, wonderful songwriters, one of you know, personal faves, love their stuff, good records. Uh, and this is how they sort of get their break. Is you know, I think he was maybe uh, just a general sort of all-purpose songwriter, jingle writer type of thing. I think that's the deal. I, I don't actually know the backstory, but I feel like I've read that somewhere. And it's a great song, I think. So great, in fact, that you can play it however many times they play it in this movie. And it's, it's still exciting. Like it's, yeah. you know, you can, the, they're doing it smart. They're not playing it start to finish every time they play it. They're kind of dipping in during the guitar solo or during the middle eight part, which is like the change up in the middle of the song. Um, but they, they make it last. They, they drain every last drop out of that song and it holds up today and was recently covered by Billy Joe from green day. I think during COVID lockdown, um, it's a nice version, uh, you know, pretty rocking as well. But yeah, so that's the tune. Now let's set the the scene for where Guy Patterson and Jimmy and Lenny and all the lads from the Oneaters come from in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, This movie is clearly made with a lot of love when it Mm -hmm. comes to attention to detail. Mm -hmm. Except there wasn't enough smoking. Shrishma, you took the words out of my mouth. Now listen, you guys know this. Uh, audience, you should be aware. I am deep into a Mad Men rewatch right now, oh, yeah. and they are doing it right. They, they drink and smoke Every on moment. on pace with back in the day, and it is amazing to see, and it really makes it. Now, everything is, aside from that, perfectly done here, but yeah, you're right. everybody would be smoking. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like there were parts where like it would seem like there was smoking going on, but they would never actually physically show anyone. Well, I noticed it at the end when Guy is in the studio and Del Paxton comes in and they jam. And all of a sudden Del Paxton's at the piano and there's an ashtray with a lit cigarette in it, Mm -hmm. but we don't see him holding it or lighting it or anything, but 
That's as close as they get, I think. No, and, because the kids, the kids can't see that. Well, this is what I was going to say. I think this is a, I, I'm curious to figure out, and I don't know how we can do this. Maybe we'll talk about it at the end of the show, but when was that off the menu of seeing mm. people be smokers? Because people were still smoking in the nineties. I smoked in the nineties, but you didn't see it at a certain point. This movie's 96, probably shot in 95. So it's got to be somewhere around there because early 90s, we're still smoking inside yeah. and we're still showing it because that's how people behaved. So I don't know when that changed. I don't know when that change would occur, but I definitely think that, you know, one of the contributing factors to that obviously would have been the Reagan era dare Mm. You know, say no to drugs, which kind of, you know, cigarettes and alcohol fell into. Yeah, I think it was just a time when reality really started to sink in after about 30 years of denying said reality, which is, oh, yeah, this shit will kill you. Yeah, Um, we just have evidence. We've got the data to back it up and you can believe it or not believe it. I don't know how many people you need to see in your life uh, leave through this this exit, but. That's that's what we're doing, people. And at a certain point, I guess in the 90s, mid-90s, we'll just say vaguely, mm. that became not something that people wanted to be associated with in the media yeah. anyway. So otherwise, look, everything in this movie, the colors are there, the cars are there, the outfits are there. Uh, the Patterson Electronics Store, everything about this, yeah. uh, display-wise, all of the signage and everything. I mean, when I see Guy Patterson with all those vacuum cleaners, I, I've never been happier. Oh, my God. That moment when he's, like, climbing out of the vacuum cleaner yeah. display. It's, oh, I mean, it's like Hoover signs in the background. Right. There's, there's so many sweet... Uh, yeah, to your point, it was made with a lot of love, this film, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think that that shows Tom Hanks is like, yeah, I'm going to do something that's for me. But it was so great. So tight. It was, you know. Yeah. Yes. Um, but he also did a good job of, I think, casting and catching some of those little moments, even with like guy dancing with his fingers in the opening credits on mm, across yes. the like. Yes. Washing machines. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some of those things where it's like. And that, and right. guy played by Tom Everett Scott. Of course he was uh, sort of a, a doppelganger for young Tom Hanks. For sure. And, you know, the, uh, the IMDB trivia will tell you that it was his wife, Rita, who plays the waitress at the end at the, the blue spot. She was the one who convinced him to cast this guy because she thought he was cute and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a great lead. I, th- I think he's very charming in this movie. Yeah, whatever happened to him? Um, he did Dead Man on Campus with Mark Paul Gosler. Oh, and okay. promptly disappeared. No, I don't know. He's probably <laughs> in one of those shows. I could see him being in one of those shows that I've never seen that has like 300 episodes. Probably. Uh, yeah, he was a great young Hanks. Yeah, he's got the look, and he is also very—he's charming, right? He's charismatic, and that's what Absolutely. you need. Actually, the entire cast, a very well <laughs> cast movie, and I like the fact that they kind of had to go through musician boot camp. They went through yeah. a period of a couple months where they had to learn how to play their instruments and learn to play as a band, which I think is probably one of the best jobs you could get as an actor. I mean, yeah, super well. Maybe for you, yes, but for me, it'd be like, oh, I'm going to ride in this film. 
you know, right. I want to go to horse boot camp for film. Um, I will say, I think Steve Zahn has never gotten enough credit for this Agreed. film. I think he I, stays in this movie. He- I have thought that he got like, I mean, for years, he got some of the best lines. He got some of the best looks from Tom Hanks. And like, and obviously that character was given those lines and they picked such a good, I, I think thought, some of that stuff might be free. That, that might be some maybe, improv in there. I, th- I think so. Maybe. It seems like that type of guy who could get away with that, but, but I've always good, thought that he was material. just an underappreciated character. Agreed. In this film. When he's playing cards with the old men after the show, you know, he's like, you know, you got to be quick. I'm from your EPA. You want to see my deck? Which is every time he's like, my favorite band is Captain Geach and the Shrimp Jack Shooters. So there's some I'm of those moments with these where those, I got a pig over there. I'm going to get that blue ribbon. Yes, I mean, exactly. Like, great. He takes um, nothing seriously. It's hilarious. I'm here yeah. for it. Uh, we've got Ethan Embry as the bass player, who is the one person who doesn't have a name because bass players are famously kind of anonymous, quiet so. guys. So his name is TB Player, oh. the bass player. Great. We never know who he is, but he is. Uh, we also know him from I don't know, can't hardly wait. Probably another you know '90s classic. Yeah. I think this is the era he he has described. He was incredibly stoned throughout this part of the '90s. So I think he's pretty high here. Uh, Giovanni Rabisi shows up as the original drummer. Nice mm-hmm. to see him, of course. Also, young is it Charlie's? Yes, Charlie's yeah. Theron and uh, Liv Tyler, Mister F. For you, Arrested Development people out there, yeah, Charlie's really bringing it in that chilly Ice Princess way that she can do. Ice Queen, excuse me, excuse me, Furiosa. Maybe at that Madame time, Furiosa. she was a princess. Now she's. I think she's taking the piss out of herself. I think. I think she's always been aware that she looks the way that she does. I think so. I think so. She seems cool, right? Yeah, she seems cool. Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler. Uh, peak Liv Tyler. I feel like I didn't remember she was in this. As Liv Tyler peaked, I think not. Um, I mean, I can't. It's either this or Lord of the Rings, right? It's got to be. She's real cute here. That's all I got to say. She's yeah. I think peak Liv Tyler has probably not happened yet, though, because she seems like a timeless beauty. That yeah. So yeah. So this is this is the group. We see them. We see the accident that brings Guy into. You know, he's he's drumming in the basement at night while he's cooking the books for his old man, the dad. uh, Guy's dad in this movie. He kills me. Because he is such a goddamn dad, and especially a dad of the times. You know, just like all the talking he does to himself when he's going to get out of the car. Oh, just leave the light on all night long. Okay, <laughs> dad, not a big deal. Just like, oh, my God. You are dad. You're every dad ever. By um, the way, uh, I never thought that that particular accident what was very realistic like breaking his arm and then i had then i had teenage boys as stepsons uh you know what that is very true actually now that you bring that up i'm like yeah no that's how those jackasses break their arms that's right right. they're real stupid (laughs) like that (laughs) congratulations it's a stupid boy we see them play that thing you do at the talent show which is a very good cross-section of what was happening in popular culture at the time so you get and this is exactly what was happening on ed sullivan as well is you would get 
not only the Beatles playing rock music, but you would get somebody doing like ventriloquist mm -hmm. dummy shit or somebody spinning the plates. We see right. it at the end at the Hollywood showcase. All of that stuff is very accurate to what was, you know, it's a variety show. You're getting all kinds of right. skilled people nowadays. It's America's Got Talent or something like yeah. that. Similar thing. But they play at this talent show filled with, you know, bunch of lamos and then they rock out their song and people love it because people love to dance because dancing leads to fucking and this is again mm -hmm. the whole thing the whole motivation i want to get out there i want to go meet somebody right and you can't the guy says it in the movie we want to meet girls and we can't meet girls until we can dance we can't dance till we get your music so you yep. got to do it and that's where that groove comes yep. in now to conclude this first part let's talk about well I want to talk about when they get on the radio. So let me let me read you okay. the next part, and then we'll talk about that. Uh, okay, so a manager with a really nice trailer gets their song on the radio and gets a bigger show for them in Pittsburgh. Uh, there they are swept up by Mr. White, a real record company, Big Wheel, and they join their new label's tour and watch their single Rocket Up the Charts. They play to adoring fans and mix with their label mates until they're whisked off to LA for a TV special and the filming of a bad beach movie. So let's go back to, they meet this guy who has a very nice trailer, likes their song and wants to be their manager, cuts a little deal with them, gets them on the radio. For me, this is my favorite scene in the whole film because it does, I think a great job of translating the excitement of this thing to at least a modern audience again we're so far removed now because we have well we all have spotify so we can listen to right. whatever, whatever we, want, we want whenever we whenever want. we want to yep. back then shit back when this movie came out i had to go to my sister's bedroom and swipe this cd <laughs> from her because why would you have two copies of a thing you know but also somebody something belongs to somebody and you and couldn't burn cds at this time it either. wasn't easy it no wasn't, it wasn't like as accessible as it became. Yeah, it was expensive. You know, like those bl a, a CDR was like yes. worth its weight in gold. Yeah. Seemed like. Um, yeah. So, and then, but take it back 30 years prior. Yeah. And mm -hmm. again, music works differently. It actually is not dissimilar from how things are working today in that it's more about singles, like a, a song, right. a song rather than a collection um, you know, we saw th this change from the early 60s where it was like a 45, uh, you know, an A side and a B side. You know, the best, the good song is on the A side. The B side is, either, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. the, the thing they had left over. <laughs> and that's where a lot of record sales came from. And then eventually through the Beatles progress, uh, they start coming up with full albums worth of material that are uh, conceptual or themed. Um the, they were the first group to publish lyrics with their records so you could know what the words were as mm -hmm. you're listening to the thing. The entire idea of uh, high-concept artwork, right. that's all coming from covers, the Beatles. Yeah. It used to just be a picture of somebody on the cover with their name next to them looking off in the distance. Uh, and then things got a little bit more artsy, basically. So why do you think in this movie Tom Hanks did like an American-based band versus bringing a band in from like a well i think in a very basic way this is his childhood oh, i think okay. you know this is his experience growing up okay and uh witnessing united states band culture sort of emerge oh, okay. 
Uh, I can't say for sure. I don't. I don't know exactly when Tom Hanks would have been born, but it, this seems to line up pretty similar because he probably shared in the excitement of, of the Beatles this happening, right. right? I understand. Um, and so I think that's part of it. Also, it's a bit more the one-hit wonder aspect of it mm-hmm. that seems a bit more. It's not exclusive to the U.S., no. but I'm sure it's more accessible right. from a storytelling point of view, and also. I'm sure he, like the rest of us, loves mid-century modern design aesthetic. And that's all very American, you know, the tail fins and the chrome and all that stuff uh, combined with the Danish influences and modern furniture, getting away from mid-century grandma and going to MCM, you know, which is where we like to be. So the, the getting on the radio, I mean, what a thrill. This is the dream. Yeah. So anybody who's ever put together their little garage rock band, this is the ultimate goal is to be played on the Yeah. Or it was before the internet. Was it right? for you as well? I mean, it was something that's something that I couldn't even conceive of. Like okay. that wasn't ever gonna be right. an option, I don't think, if only because the music I like is not maybe not as accessible. And mm. you know, and I happened to grow up in a very brief window of time of the early nineties when the music that I liked and maybe that time period informed what I liked and you know, vice versa. But that was uh, an exception to the machinery that we see of the music industry where it's just, these people are really good. Right. You know, Nirvana is, has the best songs, has the best drummer, has the best singer, you know, like everything about them is the best. So it doesn't matter where they come from. Just they're the best people love it. Yeah. And they're loving it without all the machinery. Right. So we might as well just bring them into the machinery. Mm. And they open up a door to other uh, heavier hard rock bands, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Uh, and then after that initial wave kind of dies out, then you get sort of echo wave, which is 90s punk rock, which then morphs into what we would call pop punk now. So you would get Green Day and you would get Rancid uh, and you would get, you know, later on some ska bands and things like that, you know, underground bands with skilled songwriters and a look and an energy like you, for me, I was drawn to that type of music and all rock music because of the energy, because it makes me feel something inside that makes me want to just freak the fuck out. I don't know what it is. That's, that's what moves me. So turn up the volume, turn up the tempo, let's make it loud. And, and also, Keep it groovy. Got to have mm-hmm. groove, right? You got to keep it kind of sexy, right? Right. Or dangerous, whichever. <laughs> and the, you know, punk rockers, dangerous. Um, but so, but that was a rare exception. That window closes around 95, 96. And when this movie comes out, actually. Mm-hmm. And then things go back to normal, which is we, the people who control the purse strings, we choose who gets to go up front right. of the line. Yeah, makes sense. But classic capitalism, exactly. So, in the, in a sense, the early '90s mirror the early '60s in that it's just this is happening and people like it, and we need, are racing to keep up with it. Right. Oh man, I want to talk so much more about this. I'll save it. <laughs> Look, let's talk about Mr. White. We have to talk about the movie. Jeff. We have to talk about the movie. So, Mr. White, the label uh, honcho, the manager. I mean, this is, again, he's a kind of a dead ringer for the Beatles manager, mm-hmm. this guy called Brian Epstein, who sees these guys playing at a very small club in Liverpool and sees 
people of their age group uh, reacting to it and and requesting the music in his store. He owns a record store. He is only six or seven years older than them. I mean, that's how uh, clearly defined the generational divide is. Right. It's like he he Brian Epstein came from a world of business, old world. You wear a suit, you look nice, you conduct business a certain way, and then he sees these sort of ratty punky kids mm -hmm. playing this music but he sees what the appeal is to these okay. guys and he he knows they're gonna be bigger than elvis that's his whole thing that's his selling mm -hmm. it's his pitch to everybody bigger than elvis four elvises you thought one was good check out four of them right and they write their own and shit we're talking about the beatles again yeah talking okay. about the beatles. sorry <laughs> anyway uh, i'll show you a picture of brian later he looks exactly like tom hanks in this movie down to him standing off to the side during the show, sort of deadpan, chewing his gum, kind of nodding his head. Like, that's all Epstein stuff. Now, he, the Tom Hanks character gives a little bit more American right. cynicism, right? right? right. He's, he's much more shouty Tom Hanks, which is, can I we all agree, was, the I best like, Tom yeah, Hanks? Yeah, I really like this, like his acting in this movie. I, I, I remember enjoying it. When I first watched it, yeah, um, and I still enjoyed it. Okay, yeah, I think it holds up really. Right. This is a funny movie. It's a funny movie. When he, anytime he's shouting at Lenny, I'm so happy. Um, yeah, so, Lenny, the unsung hero. Yeah. <laughs> so they go on this package tour. They're now signed up to Playtone, right? Right. And this is what they would do. This is what Motown used to do. We're going to take all of our people. We got the house band with us. They all go on the road, and this is where time honored tradition. You're not going to make any money. From your record sales, you get fractions of a penny for every record mm -hmm. you sell because that's the way the business is set up. And so that means you got to hit the road if you want to make some bank being a musician. And that's what they would do. So they would tour like this and pop tour like this. Yeah, they're playing county fairs. Right. You know, there's some really entertaining footage of the Rolling Stones' first US tour where they're playing gigs like this on right. some trailer out in the middle of nowhere uh, to people who are just like, don't even know what they're looking at. You know, it's all so fresh and new and we're seeing this reaction from particularly the women, right. but the guys are right there with it too, yeah, because they're they enjoying the music. Well, I guess. They, they also like the women. So they're like, right. okay, these guys. All right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. I like the music. Girls they're like so the cool. Yeah. How do I get to be, got to pick up a guitar, right? This is how it happens. It's, you know, I'm not saying it's uh, the purest of intentions, art or whatever, but everybody wants to get laid, you know, and true. you do it the way that you got to do it, right? This is true. So this is one avenue for that, to meet girls, to go talk to a girl. So we see them, we see the excitement of their, their single rising up the charts, and we get some nice montages. You know, montage, it's a very uh, risky proposition. Again, it's sort of like voiceover. It can be seen as a, a ham-fisted sort of shortcut for storytelling in a movie. I think it works really well here because you're seeing, you know, there's, there's lots of visual cues that you can use, whether it's like the actual charts of the records, them traveling from gig to gig, mm -hmm. them talking to their label mates, as we already, you know, talked about. Um, and it's uh, very exciting, you know? So not unlike them being on the radio, Back at the store, turning on every single radio, listening to that song. What a thrill. Right. And what a thrill to play in front of people who like what you're doing. That's everybody's goal. Yeah. 
it's just anybody dig this and when you see it's Everyone a bunch of people yeah. yeah that's quite something so before we get to the la part any other thoughts on this being on tour going to pittsburgh vicksburgs and the pittsburgh vicksburgs i feel like being on tour sounds like fun but you I could th- I could do it for a one week maximum. That's the thing. I've never done it proper. You know, it's only been weekend things. But what I understand is that it's very boring. Oh, <laughs> you know, because you know, even when you're wildly successful, yeah, uh, you know, when you're a struggling group, that's its own set of things to deal with. You know, the car breaking down and where are we sleeping and yeah. how much money do we make and can we do we have gas to get to the next place? Uh, even when you're famous, though, it becomes an issue of well. I like being on tour for the two hours I get to play my show mm. and the other 22 hours. I'm just kind of sitting around yeah. waiting for those two hours. You kind of go crazy. You know, you're, it's all hotels. Yeah. You don't have access to anything personal. You're just on a bus or in a van or whatever. Tiring. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, sounds brutal to middle-aged me now, but that's why it's kind of like a exactly. young, young person. I feel game, like, right? you know, in the twenties it was exciting, but yeah, even in the twenties, <laughs> No, in my twenties. Yeah. When I well. No, I, I'm. I was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you were a road warrior. You were ready. Yeah, I mean, I hate. I feel like I had so much energy in my twenties. Um, right. It's non-existent. Right yeah. Now. No, that's <laughs> gone. And shit is gone. <laughs> so they get called out to LA because they're going to be on their own Ed Sullivan show, the Hollywood Showcase. Featuring Brian Cranston as Gus Grissom. Did you guys notice Cranston? I never noticed that before. But I hadn't noticed it before either, but I guess now we're more familiar with his face. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they get called out to LA. Immediately things start to fall apart. As yes, they do. <laughs> LA. These are simple small town boys getting shipped out to the the big apple. What, are, what is LA called, Carolyn? You used to live out there. What's it called? What's the, what's the big apple, you know, the city of angels, right? Yeah, the city of angels. Yeah. Yeah, beckon to the city of angels where sin is around every corner. Well, I also think that, yeah, simple small town boys, except Jimmy's an asshole. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's an artist. Like, yeah, he's just a straight up asshole. He's, he is. All of them are band archetypes, right? right. So we have right. the bass player who's so anonymous, he doesn't have a name. We have Lenny, the sort of uh, the funny one, right? He's the he's the goofy one. Uh, we have the cool guy. guy his name is Guy. Uh, how cool is that? He was, he was wearing sunglasses, playing the drums, having the time of his life wherever he is. And you have, as the, Tom Hanks put it, the talent, right? Yeah. The, the th- I'm the thinker. Emo lead singer. Yeah, I wrote this song about my feelings, which, so, you know, some of us will do that, right? <laughs> so, Were you the emo lead singer, Justin? I was. Oh, please. So, yeah. Interesting. Indeed, yes. I was. Zero fun. So do you relate? All with, feelings. Uh, do you relate to this guy? Well, I mean, I, I, I recognize that guy, but I'm not happy about but on the other hand, it's like, well, that thing you do, that is a hot song that he wrote there. So he can kind of get away with whatever the fuck he wants. Like, if you're but it was the other enough, guy who made it good. Well, that's true. And that's the, the glory of playing in a band, Shrishma. Right. This is what a solo artist cannot do is, you know, the chemistry of other people participating. Right. And the communication that happens between band members when you're playing. Something's kind of special about that. Mm. It's a very magical experience. Uh, but so, yeah, they, they immediately... 
you know, they're falling in love with uh, strangers and running off to join the Marines at Disneyland and uh, getting drunk at the jazz club where Guy gets to meet his hero, Del Paxton, famous jazz pianist, uh, in, famous within the context of the movie, not a real guy. Looks great here, plays the role perfectly, and they have the deep conversation between like the old grizzled veteran and the up-and-comer about how music works and how bands work mm-hmm. and how you just got to keep playing. If you love to play, just keep playing. Yeah. Bands will come and go. And this is sort of part of the message of this film. And Hanks talks about it openly about, you know, one hit wonder. You know, it happens all the time. This shit happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. And indeed it did uh, and continues to do, I'm sure, yeah. at this point. It's awfully difficult to maintain that type of relationship because it is a working relationship, but also you're living together. So it's kind of a marriage at the same time and you're creating together. It's a very, a lot of uh, room for error. You know, a lot of things can go wrong. Um, Personality conflicts happen all the time. Um, And, and I guess the, like the whole like how the lead singer becomes like the leader of the band and like the whole popularity contest and the insecurities from the other i feel like yeah. no matter like that's a common theme among, among all you know a lot of these band situations mm-hmm. this uh, is yeah pretty common issue is uh credits right songwriting credits right, right? because whoever writes the songs is going to make most of the money because right. it's not just record sales then but it's the publishing yeah and if somebody wants to cover your song, they got to buy it from you, the songwriter, um, getting the sheet music printed, you know, like that all goes. So if you're the drummer and the bass player, or if you're uh, in the in Beatles parlance, if you're George and Ringo, right. you're not making Lennon McCartney money. Those guys got hits on top of hits and they're getting paid out the ass for it. And they wouldn't put everyone's name on the credits? Like all nope. the band members? No, nope. some bands choose to do it that way. Sometimes that works out, sometimes not so much. There are very notable cases for both mm. instant instances. Um, sometimes this happens and it just you know simplifies things, even you know quarter split or three-way split or whatever. We're all making the same. Mm. We're doing this together. Um, other times you start with the equal split and then the person who's actually doing the work of writing the music, starts to feel like, well, what the fuck are you bringing to this party, bass player? You know, like, what? Are, I'm doing the work here. Like, you just got to show up and play the notes that I show you to play. Why are you making millions in my pocket? You know, and of course, you start living this lifestyle. You start buying your cars and your houses and everything. And, well, this shit's expensive, right? More so, money, more problems. Exactly. So that's how it happens. Uh, it's... It, this is where art and commerce meet and butt heads because uh, the spirit of rock music tends to be one of, you know, artsy, horny people, Mm -hmm. not business people. And at a certain point though, if you want to be successful, you got to mix in that commerce. And that means you got to treat it as a job. And then it stops being as much fun as it was. And then got all these responsibilities and I start thinking about money for fuck's sake. Awful. And then you're just, then that is neither dangerous nor sexy. It's not. It's not. It's boring. I mean, but practical. But practical. 
Carolyn, where are you at? Tell me what, tell me about your LA experience with that thing you do. My LA experience. Well, how do you like this last third of the movie? Um, I mean, it, it's, it's good. It, I mean, I like this movie as a whole. Um, I think that it's a very realistic portrayal of what would happen when you'd get to LA if you were being, you know, if you were with a record label and you're going to do, you know, Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters and the <laughs> Tina film. And, <laughs> um, and we've seen those movies. That's yeah, exactly we watched them. Can look like, yeah, so. Right. And, uh, you know, it's believable that the quote-unquote talent would complain about it. Like, when are we getting to the studio? When are we getting to the studio? When are we getting to the studio? Thanks, Jimmy. I, we all know you want to get to the studio. How about you sit your ass down and have a good time and yep. enjoy it? No, nope. can't do it. I gotta Cannot. got to think about my ego and my feelings. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what else? Yeah, it was uh, I, good. It was realistic. I feel like this is also a love letter to classic 1960s television production as well. Mm -hmm. Again, yeah. you can see the love that Tom Hanks has for the guys in the booth, the guys calling the shots. We're seeing close-ups of the shooting scripts. We're seeing all the monitors. We're listening to the director uh, coach his, uh, you know, the, the uh whatever you, the you know the crane arm over you know like that's a beautiful shot slow it down you know looking good guys looking good uh all of those cues come from the sullivan show with the beatles so even the careful girls he's engaged that was something that they did to john lennon on sullivan of you know hands off girls he's married which was a trade secret at the time not talked oh, about because you have to appear to, available yeah, right want to lose the appeal but john had um, impregnated his girlfriend oh. and married her as, mm. as you will do. And, and then later divorced her um, and cheated on her profusely the entire time that they were famous. Awesome. As, mm. as, as rock stars tend to do. Boys will be boys, Shrishma, right? <laughs> Fucking bullshit. I feel though, mm -hmm. if I was famous and popular and, you know, had people throwing themselves at me. Yeah. Take advantage, yeah. yeah, fuck yeah, right. All that I mean, double standard for women. If we took advantage, yeah, exactly. then we would we be labeled as sexually we, promiscuous instead of being like, Well, duh, of course, you, you know, such a stud. Well, and this is again still an era where there was a sort of gentleman's agreement. We talked about it with Kennedy in his dangerous liaisons, but something you wouldn't talk about, you don't talk about that's convenient. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't polite society, okay? What did, you, what did you call it? Gentleman's agreement. Gentleman's agreement, yeah. There was no ladies' agreement. No, 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 because... We like to talk shit. That's... We like to talk shit, throw shade, and tell you, yo, uh, we're annoyed. Yeah, that's right. But I think you should all go on the road and sleep with whoever you want to. I think that's equality. In my 20s? <laughs> but now... Now you got to come to her. <laughs> yeah. she's not traveling anywhere only between the hours of <laughs> yeah 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 and call ahead i mean yeah, call ahead we'll right see, she's, maybe. she gets sleepy so we'll pencil you in <laughs> all of that sounds like way too much work it's all it's a, it's, it sounds like post-covid touring to me i mean it's, it sounds like the world that we've just that's just emerged post-pandemic so Oh, uh, just let me real quick. I'll nerd out on the instruments. Uh, beautiful vintage instruments here. 
Uh, they are beautiful instruments. Whoever put the band together, they knew the right ones to get. You get the nice sunburst. You get yourself a nice Rickenbacker. And they're just beautiful, timeless instruments. Uh, but yeah, so those look great. The group looks great when they're playing. Uh, this is a thing that musicians will do. Is This is what the Beatles would do back in the day. Is they would see footage of, go to these old rock and roll pictures that we've talked about, right? The um, girl can't help it, right? Are these guys actually playing the song? You know, so they're checking fingers, they're checking to see, are they playing the right chords to the thing? Is this guy an actor? Is he a musician? These guys, they clearly learned how to play their three songs or whatever, and they look great doing it. And that's part of why this movie works, I think. They they do represent this entity, this, this thing, this uh, cultural force. And it was a distinct cultural force in the U.S., for again, like 30 years, you know, not so much anymore, but if I had to choose a member of a band to sleep with, it would definitely be the drummer from the, from the Oneaters, from the wonders generally. Yeah. Okay. In a, in a band. If Oh, a band, you were just saying would, the role, right? You would, you would be a shade. Okay. 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 <laughs> you were going to be like okay. Steven Tyler no, no, from no. Aerosmith. I thought, yeah. I thought you were going to give us some like, okay, I'm going to, oh, anyone in history. Example? Um, I feel I don't know like rock bands enough to name the drummer, but I've always like the drummer has always stood out to me. Like, really? Okay, I'm a drummer chick. So, an answer. <laughs> the uh, drummer would be the most rhythmically inclined of okay. all the band members. So, yep, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. good with his hands. That groove, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, guitar players are up there fingering their phallic-like instruments. <laughs> That are, you know, perfectly set at crotch level. Like, what are we doing up here, guys? Like, obviously. I think you're really into yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, th- exactly. There was no, it's really interesting. I'm almost done, I promise. Right. But as far as, you know, rock and roll music and bands go and everything, it is interesting. Some people are just fucking drummers. Mm. Some people are bass players. Some yeah, people I are like lead guitar players. Yeah, I personality type. There was never a question in my mind. Oh, yeah, I play the guitar. Even when I didn't play the guitar, oh, I'm a guitar player. Right. Interesting. Not never a question ever. And I know drummers f- gravitate the same way to yeah. you know making their noise. I feel like yeah, I agree. I tried the drums. I I didn't realize it was quite as complicated. Um, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. <laughs> it's you gotta you gotta be minute. able to do a bunch of different things. <laughs> T- tempo, you know, like rhythmically, that it's yeah. it's tough. I, exactly. I don't know. But yeah, so that's that thing you do, more or less, right? At the end, they break up, but then they all find their own happiness. We hear the song again. And then I think during COVID, the actual performers did get back together for some kind of Zoom reunion type of thing. And they're all still friends because they've had this bonding experience that can only come through being in a rock and roll band. No, it can only come through being in a Tom Hanks movie. True. Well, I'm sure that... That comes into it as well. Was uh, Tom Hanks part of this reunion? I don't remember. Mm. I don't know. I didn't watch it. Okay. I'm not really into that stuff. Sure. Um, I will say shout outs to Tom Hanks. If you do hear this, he listens to pods, you know. Oh, hi. Hi. Hey, Tom. Today. My parents love Tom Hanks. He's one of the few like Hollywood. Who doesn't love Tom Hanks? That they actually recognize and appreciate. Sure. He's very appreciable. Right. If that's yeah. the term. I mean, it's all hits for Tom Hanks. It is. I mean, we can take it back to now. Peter, Peter Scolari is in this movie. 
He plays the host of the Hollywood Showcase. And he, I, I didn't realize this, I didn't realize in the past that this was him in this movie playing this role, but he was Tom Hanks's co-star in their sitcom they had together in the early 1980s called Bosom Buddies, Bosom Buddies in which they were, the premise is they were two bachelors Man. yes who were hard up you know like real poor and they were living in a housing complex for only women so they would have to dress up as women mm -hmm. and then live their lives as men sort of thing like that was the premise so anyway that was the two of them it was nice to see hanks bringing in uh his co-star there nice shout out again cranston kind of mind-blowing <laughs> Um, I think it's what Chris Isaac plays Uncle Bob uh -huh. who records the song at the church. And yeah, Kevin Pollack plays the boss, big, uh, Vic Koss, Vicksburgs in Vicksburgs in the Pittsburghs. Anyway, it's uh it's a great movie for this type of story. Does it really well. I think it holds up very nicely. And as it a does. movie as somebody's first movie, Tom Hanks's yeah. first, you know, his directorial debut, it is, it, it maintains a certain amount of independent flavor, right. I think, which was very of the moment of, of the nineties, you know, uh, a concurrent with early nineties alternative music becoming mainstream. You also see this happening in film as well. You start seeing independent filmmakers, uh, Robert Rodriguez and Kevin Smith and um, uh, uh, Linklater uh, slacker and all this these sort of art house movies become more mainstream because they are reflecting this alternative culture in their films. Right. And so that again, gets rolled into the mainstream and we see it become uh, normalized and just part of things now. So all that old heaviness that used to be so outrageous, it's now just kind of standard issue. It's just part of Western culture now kind of exciting, but that's that thing you do, you guys. So at this point in the show, we ask a question, which is on behalf of all of humanity, which is, hey, this movie we just talked about, The World Beyond the Window, do we keep watching this thing? And bonus question for this mini arc of old time movie machine, does this do a good job of representing 1964 as we know it? Shrishma Nike. Yes and yes. Okay. You like it? I like it. All right. And I think it, apart from the smoking, which I think they tried to do in the low-key way that, you know, they probably Ex were yeah. regulated to do. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah, I think it, I think it did pretty good. Okay, great. I'm glad that you want to keep this thing. Yeah. You do. That thing you do. Uh, my sister and yours, Carolyn Rose. what do you think? You keep watching this thing? Yes, absolutely. Um, I loved it then. I love it now. I love Tom Hanks. Give me all the Hanks. Thanks. It's <laughs> <laughs> a love letter to Tom Hanks. To Hanks, thanks. All right. Hanks, thanks. Um, all, you know, the Hankses in general, including Rita Wilson, lovely, charming Rita Wilson, mm -hmm. who deserves a shout out too for this sweet She role. really does. What a dreamboat in this movie. Good Lord. She's a dreamboat now. She's a dreamboat yeah, yeah. at any age. I mean, you know. I and shout out to uh, Colin Hanks too, who is also currently in my season of Mad Men that I'm watching. Oh, um, I love Colin Hanks. He um, strums his little acoustic guitar at one point. Very charming. All right, so yes is from you. Yes is from me, of course. Uh, I liked it then, as you say. And this movie came out, I was 15, 16 years old, so I was 
cynical. You know, I was already jaded. I could feel but the window closing. you were closing. still stealing my CD. I love a good tune. I love a good pop tune. There's no <laughs> way around it. And I like stories about bands. <laughs> I love every band episode of every television show that's ever had one. Uh, he, you know, shout out Jesse and the Rippers, uh, Zach Attack, all of you guys. Like, if there's media about being in a band, band life, you know, it's, I've mentioned it many times on all of our various programs here, but uh, it is sort of the prism that I view existence through, in a sense, because I love music and playing music. And uh, it's weird to live in a world where that stuff doesn't matter in the same way or, you know, band music or rock music. But once upon a time and in the 90s in particular, it was still alive and well and thriving. And um, yeah, so we're going to keep this thing. And also, I think it does do pretty spot on 64. Like you say, the smoking and the drinking could use way more of that. But what are you going to do now? Let's get down to the real business here. Let's talk about this program. Let's talk about our absence from this program. We did take two months off. Mm-hmm. Again, sometimes shit happens. True. So let's Lots talk about shit the happens at the same time. <laughs> it all happened to everybody. It was crazy. It was, it was really crazy. Um, let's talk about this program, Old Movie Time Machine. We like doing it. We like talking to each other. We have a feeling that there is not an audience for the show as it currently exists, though. The numbers bear this out. Turns out nobody's seen these movies. And also, apparently, nobody has any interest in seeing these movies. So what we've decided, and oh, also, feel like we're hitting a different type of audience than maybe we had anticipated. Right. (laughs) Because we got this YouTube page, right? Where we put all these episodes up. We just make little videos. Pretty simple, but please join our YouTube page and our following but we're getting feedback on the YouTubes, and it is so amusing to me because clearly the audience we're hitting, according to the demographics that they're giving us on YouTube, it's a little bit older, mm-hmm. reflected in the comments. Because I think the people who find our show are being directed by the algorithm to right. our show. I think they don't know how YouTube works okay. or what podcasts are or how any of this works and that's concerning for me as a content creator right because all i'm seeing here are comments such as are you going to play the movie or are you going to talk it out another comment we are looking for movies not your chit chat (laughs) that's a fucking t-shirt by the way uh, that comes from at Christ in me four weeks ago. We are looking for movies, not your chit chat. Uh, here's another one. Get on with the show. I don't need this stuff you are saying. Did they not listen to the intro where we describe what the premise of this the is my show issue, is? Shrishma, is that we're reaching people who don't understand the internet or right. how any of this shit works, which is I could take five seconds and click on the link to the thing I'm looking at that says old movie time machine, just to see what it's about, because we are clearly labeled as a podcast about old movies. Right. All of our episodes are clearly labeled, you know, uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world, old movie time machine, episode number 50. Why would we be labeling movies by number? Also, why are you operating under the delusion that I can freely publish movies on (laughs) YouTube? And I'm doing that for the public benefit. Use your fucking brain. So I'm calling all these motherfuckers out because at this point in the show, an hour plus in, they're not listening, right? 
but hey, airheads, uh, such as Falco Toll 9299, all caps. I want to see the movie itself. Double exclamation points. Um, here's another one. Uh, I thought this was the movie, not people talking. I can't help it. Maybe you should like add like paid subscriptions to um, the movie folder. How does that work? What do you mean? What is like, that? You know, that work? your movie folder. Where all oh, yeah. Oh, oh. So they <laughs> so they can watch their damn movie. It's It's, it's been lovingly called Zepflix for right. many years. We just make that mainstream. Right. Just And then they can watch the damn movie and then listen to our commentary yeah. on yeah, dummies. the movie. Show me. And I'm not saying there aren't movies on YouTube. Of course there are. But also, these are not so obscure that they're not published on amazon or you know blu-ray or whatever the fuck i mean some of them are but we try to keep it mainstream alfred hitchcock estate mm, yeah they've got their they yeah. know where that money is coming from so no i'm not publishing rear window on youtube you dummies yeah agreed no movie clickbait says steve jenkins 2667 oh, no. <laughs> now to be fair that one had a reply which we gave a little heart to uh, from Spencer Frank Clayton 4348. Shout outs to Spencer Frank Clayton. It didn't say it was just the film. Hey, <laughs> you get it, guy. Spencer, you get it. Oh, shout out to Kyle, by the way, our fan. Oh, hey, Kyle. Hey, Kyle. What's up? Hi, Kyle. Not, this is, has nothing to do with you, Kyle. You're amazing. You are. I mean, we'll put the drop in from that thing you do here, which is, hey, wasn't that our fan? Because that's you, Kyle. <laughs> that we is appreciate Kyle. it. Hey, wasn't that our fan? You get it. Um, Christ and me, obviously not checking in as often as they should be other than we are looking for movies, not your chit chats. <laughs> this is the thing. This is the product is our chit chat. I think we should be like somewhere like chit chat only. <laughs> no, no um, here. Listen, uh, don't, uh, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? I'm just, uh, using SEO best practices by putting the movie up front right. of the title, Agreed. but read the rest of the goddamn title. Agreed. We're clearly saying it's an episode of something. Right. And if you look at what that something is, it's a podcast. You guys, we're not fooling anybody. And also, but also keep listening, keep listening. Cause we love you. If you do like the show, right. uh, then we appreciate your listens, of course, but here's what we're doing. We've decided because you guys don't like this, you listeners, <laughs> you don't like these movies. Uh, we like talking about them, but not so much to where we want to keep talking about them for another 50 episodes. I've got the 50 episodes. We could do another season. You know, I've got the list, Yes. but here's what we're going to do. It doesn't involve another of the beach movies. Oh, there's so many more beach movies. There's so many beach movies. But we're going to avoid that because we're, we're moving to a different era in time. So, uh, next time we're going to be doing a, a format transition where we're going to basically be doing what we've been doing through the cold war, but we're taking it up to a little place. I like to call the 1990s Ooh. old movie time machine, 1990s. Everybody it is happening starts next week. And we're starting with, yeah, it's a personal fave. Uh, and also represents an era where people would still be shown on film smoking mm -hmm. inside it's the early 90s. It's a movie called Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead. And it is important <laughs> for reasons we're going to talk about next time. I have a story that I will share next time, but you have to remind me. I'll try to. It's about we have a, a real list. Okay, so I put everybody on YouTube on blast. Um, oh, by the way, Carolyn and I uh, were guests on another oh. podcast 
by our friend Movie Rob. We it's a movie. It's a minute by minute analysis of a film this season. It's it's a wonderful life. Frank Capra's classic starring Jimmy Stewart. And I just want to make sure I have the name of the program right. So you can go listen to us on said show and uh, yeah, give, give Rob some listens too. Cause he's a, he's a nice guy and he showed us a really nice time. We had a great program. time. Yeah. We had a great time doing it and it was a great excuse for me to watch. It's a wonderful life, which I had never seen before. We also got like some of the best minutes in that movie. Movie Rob Minute Podcast is what it's called. It is it's happening now, uh, and that starts our week starts on February the fifth, I believe. Oh, nice. So it should That's be right around when this episode yes. drops, uh, and also yeah, February twenty four. Uh, yeah, so happy sixtieth anniversary, Beatles. Welcome to America. We appreciate you and we still love you. And that's it. Any any further thoughts for this episode before we? We take our time machine to the 90s. No, it's been fun. The 60s have been fun. Mm-hmm. We might come back. Who we knows? Might. We might. Um, I also think that with the 90s, I don't know if we can do one line re- or no. I don't know if we can do the can we in or out because I feel they're all going to be in. This because- is the thing. Yeah. We have already had this this conversation via text, which is, you know, what are the rules? Does it have to be contemporaneous to the time? You know, like what we've been doing. Right. And the 90s, we threw all the rules out the window, you guys. So that's what we're doing here because I'm not going to not talk about Bram Stoker's Dracula just because, I mean, there's no more 90s movie than that. It just happens to not be set in the 1990s. I think it's going to be really interesting because from what y'all were proposing, your movies you want to (laughs) touch, it's a different era from my era Right. Which will be that smoking inside era mm-hmm. that we were talking about, that window that was so brief and closed. But you guys are a couple years younger than me, so it's going to be different. But this is part of the process. Carolyn, are you excited? I am excited. I do think that we're going to have to come up with a different name for the 90s wing of the boom room. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because we are still going to have to... Uh, Gather some artifacts. Do we have any artifacts for this movie, by the way? I mean, I'll just take all the guitars. Yes. I didn't think about it. I'm taking the sunglasses. The oh. sunglasses. Very nice. You should take the electronic store. The uh, Sure. Just, it's got a bunch of nice stuff in there. Okay. Old washing machines. Maybe I'll take his drum radios. Oh, that, mm-hmm. sure. Good. Okay. I'm going to take uh, them. I'm just going to stick them in my pocket. Love you, Tom. Alrighty. Um, one more person for the boom room again. I got a lot of questions about that, but uh, we don't have time now. I didn't say I was putting him in the boom room. He's oh, you just want to take him? him. I uh, yeah, I'm just going to take him and put him in my pocket. All right. Sounds like somebody's. Uh, I feel like Rita would have. Sounds like somebody needs some rock that. and roll music playing. Somebody needs that backbeat. All right. Uh, okay. So yeah, next time, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Tell all your friends. Tell all your enemies, too. We're going to the 90s. We're staying there for as long as we want. Also, the schedule is out the fucking window. We're going to make these when we want to because if nobody really is caring so much, then we're just going to do this because we want to do it, right? So we're going to talk about movies we want to talk about uh, at a pace that we want to talk about them. But we're still going to give you the same great flavor you've come to expect uh, and know and love. And we hope you join us on this new adventure because, you know, if we get through the 90s, you know, what's right next to the 90s? Fucking 80s. Oh. You know, like, there's a lot. <laughs> by the way, when we get Seems to. I'm so um, surprised by that. You're going to go forward. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Forward. No, because if we go forward. <laughs> yeah, I get it. It's a dark period. The 2000s, the 80s? I think we're not 
not bad. Oof, I don't know, Shrishma. What do we What do we I keep from the two thousands? I don't have to take a look, but just in general, culture in general was. Iron Man came out in the 2000, 2008. Late 2000. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Right. The Harry Potter movies. Harry Potter. Well, started com- or. This is a compelling started. case. I'm, I'm, there are, there Girls Gone Wild. There. I mean, Transformers. 2000s. The first one. Yeah. Just the first one. Yeah. Those aren't, those aren't for me, but <laughs> they're real loud. They're noisy yeah. and tough to look the at. The first one was really, really good. Mm, okay. After that, it just sort of okay. Yeah, they all. I watched them all. And it's, mm, well, you know, God, I won't finish this statement. Oh come on, finish the statement. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we're done. This is the episode. Uh, that thing you do. Thank you for joining us in Old Movie Time Machine. Please write us emails if uh, <laughs> if you're like a hundred years old, like we are, and still write emails. Party line at oldmovietimemachine.com. Follow us on the grams at Time Machine Podcasts. Uh, anything else? What am I forgetting here? I think we're good. Hi, right. Catherine. We miss you. Yeah. Shout out to Catherine. Shout out to Brindis. Yeah, of course. Our CFO. She's buried under invoices uh, because we can't pay our bills because this nobody listens to our program. But we're going to change that, all right? We are. We're going to the 90s. We are. Hey, guys, don't tell mom. The babysitter's dead. The babysitter's dead. She's dead. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.